So that's part of it. But it's not going to record anything that you're not seeing. It says the meeting is being recorded by the host or a participant. Yeah. Okay, I guess that's a legal uh, notification where yeah. somebody hit the red button there. Legal disclaimer, so you can leave if you want. But. Okay. And I'm screwed. Do we do the Bob? How do you want to call this? Should we uh, reschedule or should we just go with it? Uh, I would go. I would go with it. It's a good headshot, Mark. Yeah. When I had more hair. Yeah. All right, you guys ready? We're going to start the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. And John, you can't see, but you can hear, right? I see thumbnails of you guys, and uh, yours is static. Bob is moving. All right. Well, um. Bob's got his thing working. Maybe I'll come on. I can, I can hear during you in the show. I can hear you. No problem. All it's right. Mainly, um, you're mainly talking anyway. So, so I have I'm a not... little introduction and then we'll bring you on, John. Okay. My headshot too, Mark, if you want. No, let's, let's, let's at least you go live. Okay. All right. Hello and welcome to the old and in the way comedy podcast with Bob and Mark, where we fight ageism one bad joke at a time. Reluctantly, we had to learn the hard way that denial and repression oftentimes are not enough to hold back the tides of reality before we get our tickets punched. So our mission is clear and compelling. We'll pull the veil back on aging and reveal much of what's real and absurd with growing old, political correctness be damned, and yes, of course, there will be malarkey. But before we get started, we'd like to thank our fictitious sponsor smart again a brain supplement for their continued support remember remembering smart again is a brain supplement that will have you wondering how you got to be so damn smart again smart again is made with all unnatural ingredients which will reverse your cognitive decline and heighten your mental acuity when i first heard about smart again i didn't believe it but after taking Smart Again for a couple of days, I've been able to find my car in the parking lot. I've stopped yelling at my neighbor's kids. And more times than not, when I walk into a room, I know why I'm there. It really is an amazing product. And remember, Smart Again is a fictitious product and cannot be found at fine stores everywhere. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen, let the malarkey begin. John, good morning, and welcome to the Bob and Mark comedy podcast old and in the way thank you very much mark i'm um, still ladies I'm still and per, gentlemen i'm still i'm still perplexed why you want to talk to me uh well you're actually I, I a, really, a, a, an amazing really, uh, talent and an interesting person <laughs> i'm trying to figure it out you know well um, listen to, listen to your introduction and this might help explain okay. john hammond is an organ player extraordinaire with an in an illustrious musical history spanning five decades. John is no, 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 no H in the John, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. John is a bi-coastal musical phenom currently residing in LA, but also has a resident in New York City where he has had a cable television show for 40 years. John has turned 70 and currently is playing gigs at convalescent hospitals and retirement homes. And John wouldn't say this, but some would say he's a musical therapist. Later on, we're going to ask John to share his thoughts about the connection he makes with seniors through his music. 
Good stuff. But the first question I have for you, John, is when the John Hammond Band played the Fillmore in 1999, opening for the Sons of Champlin, how fun was that? Well, it was fun, uh, except that uh, it took uh, over 30 years for me to get the gig. And then uh, I flew out from New York to do the gig. Uh, I was invited by James Preston greatly missed uh, drummer, longtime drummer for the Sons of Champlin. And I took the, uh, my portable road organ on the 38 Geary bus, got off at the corner of Geary and Fillmore that we all know. And uh, had a nice sound check and a dinner that was served us. When they announced us and uh, they said my name, I came out on stage. The first thing I did was unfortunately trip over a big cable and fall flat on my ass on the bandstand and that was my uh, 30 years i waited to come out and fall down on the stage and i fell down pretty hard too you know so that was that wasn't fun <laughs> but i, but, I got but you up bounced, and shook it off and bounced back yeah, well and i think i had gig. nothing broke you know nothing broken it was it was an honor to play an opener for this uh, full house for the sons of champlin they have a huge following in the Bay Area, and uh, they've been one of my favorite bands growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area as well. And I still stay in touch with some of the guys who are still with us. So, uh, cool. yeah, that was a lot of fun and a, a big honor for that, Bill. And, um, you know, Bill Champlin, of course, is the leader of the band, and I'm, I'm still in touch with Bill. So, yeah, thanks for asking about that. Is Bill um, still in Chicago? Come again? Is Bill still playing in Chicago? Oh, no, he's been out of Chicago for some time now. Yeah, yeah. He's, I think he was in it for 28 years. Yeah. Wow. Yes. <laughs> um, John. That, that, that reminds me of when I, uh, you know, I, I had a, radio, a daily radio program out in the Bay Area for every morning for four years on CBS and uh, some of the different people I had. I had uh, some great musicians and one of them was Houston, Houston Pearson. <laughs> when I had Houston on the uh, on my program called Hammond Cast Show, first thing I asked him was, so Houston, it's great to have you in San Francisco. How are you doing? And then he said, oh, fine. And then there was just like a long pregnant pause, you know, but we finally got it going, you know. So uh, sort of reminded me, uh, your, your podcast. Uh, uh, yeah, you got any prepared questions or you just hit me, whatever you got there. Well, uh, you're a jazz musician and a musician extraordinaire. You can uh, improv and wing it pretty good. But um, one of my questions is because our show is trying to poke fun at growing old. Uh, the work you do at convalescent hospitals and retirement homes where you really reach out and connect with seniors in a way that's kind of beautiful, but very significant. Yeah, well, thank you for asking about that. I, uh, and I love my work. And the more I work, the more I love it. And I've been doing, uh, I've been playing in hospitals since I was a teenager. So, uh, that's been quite a while now. And the, um, the magic happens if you 
you know, play so that people, whether you have five people in the room or three people, sometimes even two people. And uh, sometimes I have 50 people or, or more, depends on the setting. But um, I play like I would play to any audience. And I don't consider myself a music therapist. I'm just a, an old road doggy musician who uh, takes the time to come in and play for everybody. And I got a lot of stories. I don't sing. I stopped working with singers a long time ago because they all make me nuts, to tell you the truth. I've worked with some famous and not so famous singers. So I went the instrumental route a long time ago. And the music, uh, if you have a lifetime of experience, which I do because I started gigging when I was 11. So the, the tunes pretty much tell the story. And I talk in between the tunes. And it's a, a big honor to play for folks that have uh, made it to those senior years and sometimes the some of the people that are in uh, skilled nursing and uh, nursing homes and memory care some of them are even younger than than i am so you never know it could be a variety of different circumstances that that gets them into a care facility situation but the music is an important part of the activities and i'm uh, happy that i can provide that by myself without a band or anything. I just come in with the portable Hammond combo amp, uh, organ that I have traveled all over the world with and an amplifier and a microphone, that's it. I don't have a drum machine or a drummer. But sometimes, occasionally I'll bring in another musician, but, but mostly I just do them myself. What, what kind of tunes do you play the oldies or you, you play? yeah I, pl I play a lot of standards and uh some popular tunes that people know uh yeah i was telling mark that because we actually talked a couple of times before uh the three of us joined here and uh i was telling mark i discovered something over the years of doing this you know i'm originally an accordion player i still play some of the gigs on accordion i play accordion similar just like I play organ. I'm not a polka player. You know, if I have to play a polka, I will. It's not my favorite thing to do, but I, I play uh, accordion just like I play organ. I play bass lines. It's one of my specialties. And I sound like two guys, but um, that's been something I've been doing for a long time. So when I, when I play the melody on the organ, and the melody is a very strong thing, Bob, you know? A lot of people get away from the melody and a tune that has a strong melody is a very powerful thing. I had the very good fortune to hang out with Sonny Stitt when I lived in Boston, one of the greatest ten, um, alto and tenor saxophonists in history. And uh, Sonny, he talked to me about the melody over and over and over again. He just drilled it into my head. He said, Hammond, it's all about the melody. And when I play the melody and the bass lines and the changes too, but I always make sure to state the uh, melody. And the organ is a very interesting instrument because it's a sustaining sound. And it is like a, like a voice. And since I stopped sing, uh, working with singers, I always say the fingers are the singers. And the sound of the Hammond organ 
it just drills through the fog because a lot of times I come in and the folks that I'm going to play for, uh, they could be in a condition where maybe nobody's really home when I come in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Nobody, nobody, no response. They're just there. They know that, you know, they, they bring them down in wheelchairs. Some of them come on their own. And um, you might think nobody's there, but guess what? <laughs> They're there. And uh, wow. if you hit the melody with the organ, it just drills right through it, you know? And you would be surprised. Uh, that, that particular instrument, I just chose the right instrument for uh, getting that done. And um, after about a half an hour or so, full, full energy, uh, given the, the same amount of energy that I would if I was playing a concert in a concert situation on stage, uh, I'm right there, right there with them. You know, since the pandemic, we back off for social distancing, and I, I do wear K and 95 masks on the gigs right. because the the population in the nursing homes is very vulnerable. We're all above 60s. You uh, have to be especially careful. So when when I play and speak with them, full energy. After about a half hour. I've had people who were uh, nonverbal, you know, start clapping after the tune, start laughing at uh, funny stories and becoming uh, normalized to a certain extent. And I see that happen all the time. It's not just once. I've been doing this for a long time, you guys. So I see this. It's beautiful. You're, you're, You're out there doing God's work. Yeah, well, you know, this is what I, I'm lucky um, that I have found my niche that what I should be doing. I feel real good about my work. The more I do it, the more I feel better about it. And I, I've been told like, a, oh, you know, that's amazing what you do. Uh, oh, you should make a documentary movie about it or something. But you know what? Like, um, you have to respect the privacy of the people who are yeah. in skilled nursing. Sure. And, even though I have a television show for 40 years, I'm still on every Friday night. I never bring cameras to shoot in there. I never would do that. And sometimes the families are there and they might, you know, pop out an iPhone every now and then, some of the staff. And I'm, I'm cool with that, whatever, you know. I'm there to give something to them. And I, I take back plenty too, you know, because I feel like I get something done every time, you know. And re- recently... I had a bad accident. I almost ended up in a place like that myself. So I'm very fortunate that all 10 fingers are working and most of my marbles, you know, because um, all it takes is one bad step. Yeah. And you can be living a normal life. And the next thing you know, you're in, you're in, in, in if you're lucky, you'll be in, in a care facility. Not everybody has that sort of. Um, sure. A, 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 coverage and so forth you know so that's, John, that's a John, story. let me uh bounce around a little we've got a lot to cover in a little bit of time uh yeah i, I wanted, wanted to, i wanted to let you guys know what it is you know no, it's, it's beautiful uh, it's, uh, thank it's you not, it's you know also uh, before we get off this topic i want to tell you something go ahead mark and bob you know i lived in europe for some years you know so when i was living in paris I hung out a bit with Joan Baez, you know, 
So Joni, she has a sister who sadly is no longer with us, Mimi Farina. So Joan asked me, you know, when you get back to Marin County, why don't you do some gigs for my sister's organization, which is called Bread and Roses, you know? So I don't know if you heard of them. They have offices. Sure, they're in famous. Very much so. Yeah. So anyway, so I, when I came back, I looked them up and uh, I started doing some places for them, uh, homeless uh, shelters and some other places. And I had some other musicians uh, joining me on those gigs. And, you know, they, they started taking advantage of the situation with me, you know, because I mean, I'm a working musician. I, I do a certain amount of charity stuff, but I, I, I also have to pay the rent. I got to go to the dentist and stuff like that. So I asked him, when they started sending me like from, uh, uh, oh, can you go and play in Novato from San Francisco and, or in the East Bay? You know, I said, uh, how about some bridge fare and some gasoline money? Well, they didn't want to do that, you know? So I said, uh, they said, oh, our musicians play out of their own expenses from their heart and all this stuff, you know. Meantime, they got offices and leased BMWs and uh, these, uh, uh, um, the philanthropic world has, uh, uh, you know, benefactors and patrons and uh, all that. And they had these big events. So, you know, it started to be a conflict because they send out a lot of musicians as many as they can, and a lot of them are not really full-time professional musicians. They're well-meaning, you know, yeah. but they, they'll send out like a, a, somebody who comes into somebody's hospital room and starts singing Michael Rowe, The Boat Ashore or something like that, and they say, get out of my room, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, uh, I told them, you know, you got this huge... Uh, office where you're booking these things. I'm in the musicians union. I'm a long time member of musicians. I joined in 1976. I'm a vested member in the musicians union. I said, we have a conflict here because you're sending these well-meaning, sometimes amateur musicians into situations where we're actually getting paid and taste, you know? So I would try to talk with their executive director. They didn't want to talk to me at all. And uh, I'm a member of Local 6 Musicians Union, that's San Francisco in the Bay Area, and Local 802, that's New York. So I had to cut off the, the Bread and Roses gigs, and they still, to this day, they interfere with paid gigs, you know. They send these people out, it, it, and it then is, they have these, big, these John, big concert John, events. John. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They have the big concert events where they bring in people big names, Willie Nelson, stuff like that. And they do it at the Opera Plaza in San Francisco. So I said, well, how about a, a seat there? You know, oh, no, that's for our benefactors and our patrons. You oh, know? So that's how it is in the world of philanthropy, cats. You know, OK, yeah. I just want to get that clear. Because when I do it, this is my life, man. I've been doing this a whole long time. So yeah. I, I finally had to uh, shut that down. With, All right, you know, John let's, is a, let's, let's John is bounce, a good people. bounce around but, a little uh, bit once, here. Uh, Mimi, John. Once Mimi passed away, that was the end of that. I know you got a comedy thing, but that wasn't funny, you know? No, 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 no but I, I miss Mimi and Dick. Come again, Bob? I miss Mimi and Dick. I love their music. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were great. Yeah. John, uh, how did you connect with the Who's John and Whistle? Yeah. And how did okay. the two let me, you end let me, up uh, working? Hang on, me... hang on, hang on. Yeah. And how did the two of you end up working together on a blood drive for the American Red Cross that eventually John and Whistle pitched on okay. the Stern okay. show? That was that was one of the first concerts, but we did a whole tour. And before I get into the John N. Whistle story, credit where credit is due, because my longtime partner in music and traveling all over the world, Joe Berger, and that's spelled B-E-R-G-E-R. OK, Berger, not like a hamburger, but it happens that my name's Hammond and he's Berger. So some people do call us hamburger. But Joe Berger, the great guitar player and uh, engineer, mixing and mastering engineer, and uh, he was friends with Ant Whistle first. So he took me to Frankfurt, Germany, where I played, I played 33 years in a row at the Frankfurt Music Messe. So we started doing those shows. That's a trade show. For those of you who don't know, a NAM show is a National Association of Music Merchants. It's a trade show for musical instruments, backline gear, software, tour buses, everything. And then we have a sister show in Germany. It's called the Musikmesse. So uh, John used to come to the uh, trade shows, including the NAM show, and play for various companies that made his instruments, amplifiers and uh, electric bass guitars. Of course, those of you who don't know, John Entwistle was the the late great original bassist of the who you know the who one of the most important rock bands in the history of the music business so john entwistle j-o-h-n i'm j-o-n by the way some people mix me up with a singer obviously i don't sing anyway uh joe told me joe berger told me he said i'm going to introduce you to john entwistle in frankfurt when we go for the music message. And I have been a big fan of John and Whistle and The Who since I was about 12 or 13 years old, you know? So I said, well, that'd be fucking great, you know? Because I love Ant Whistle. And if he's too busy to talk to me, I mean, I could dig it, but uh, that'd be great. We were going there anyway. So the first night that we're in Frankfurt, I'm sitting in a suite at the Frankfurt Marriott Hotel, Joe Berger, myself, and John Entwistle, the three of us. I kid you not. We're sitting there drinking the very best cognac and eating peanuts off a plastic plate, you know? And so I had a lot of, a lot of questions for him and you know, it's a big honor to meet him and a longtime fan. So I'm, I'm very into their music and and John is a very unique uh, bassist, too. He in innovated the instrument and how it's played. He used to build his own bass guitars, you know? So anyway, so we're sitting there and we're, we're drinking. That was back in the days when I could drink. And uh, we had uh, really expensive cognac. And uh, it's getting uh, into the night. And we had the, the trade show the next day. So I realized... Holy, holy shit, I'm sitting here talking to John Entwistle. And uh, this, you know, nobody's even going to believe this, right? 
So I said, uh, John, can you do me a favor and sign the, the, the plastic peanut plate that we're eating the peanuts off of, you know? And so he signed it for me, you know? You know, Ant was a beautiful cat. He was a very nice, soft-spoken, elegant man, you know, one of the great musicians. And uh, I really miss him. He, we became good friends. So anyway, so we, uh, Berger and I, we go back to our hotel where we were actually sharing it with another cat, Bruno Engel from Engel Amplifiers. And uh, we had a little place uh, at the Hotel Prince Otto next to the train station in Frankfurt. And uh, we called it a rub-a-dub-dub, three men in a tub. <laughs> and there were parties every night sponsored by the different companies, you know. So the next night we went to another party. This is an outrageous party. A few nights later, we did a party with Entwistle at the airport. That was another thing. I filmed the entire thing for my cable TV show because I was doing my show since 1984. This is 1987 we're talking about, this first time with Entwistle. So we come back from the second party, you know, two or three o'clock in the morning. And uh, I, I say to myself, you know, that was, uh, that was something yesterday, last night. We're sitting there talking with John Entwistle till wee hours of the night, drinking with the man, and it was just beautiful. And I remembered that he signed the, the plate for me that the peanuts were on. So I went looking for the plate, and the plate was nowhere to be found. So I pick up the phone and I call the reception. The helicopter going back. We're in the line of a lot of helicopters, so get used to it. So anyway, so uh, I, I called up to reception. Oh, Mr. Hammond. I said, yes, uh, uh, I'm looking for my plastic uh, uh, plate. And they said, oh, we had housekeeping come up there, you know? And I oh, said, no. oh man, are you t kidding me? You took the plastic plate? I said, where is it? They said, it's in the garbage in the back of the building, you know? So at three o'clock in the morning, I'm digging through the garbage to find this plastic plate that Entwistle signed. That plastic plate is on my wall in New York City. I love it. Yeah. So I, I found it. <laughs> John, oh, John, yeah. uh, the original question was, how did you guys connect with Howard Stern? Yeah, well, we um, we talked uh, Entwistle into coming over to play in Chicago with a cover band that was called Rat Race Choir from New York, um, not New York City, but like around New York. And Joe worked with Rat Race Choir for a long time. They could cover Jethro Tull, Led Zeppelin, and The Who as good or better than the original bands. I mean, they, they were awesome. And uh, sadly, uh, we just lost um, Mark Hitt, who was the longtime guitar player, the original guy from Rat Race Choir. So we talked Entwistle into coming over to Chicago to the NAMM show, Summer NAMM. We used to have a Summer NAMM show. We had two NAMM shows before the pandemic. We had the Winter NAMM and the Summer NAMM. Summer NAMM was in Chicago at that time. Eventually, we moved to Nashville. So Entwistle comes over. And who else was on that show? Uh, Leslie West. Do you remember Leslie West from Mountain? Mountain. Yeah. So Leslie was on the show. And uh, a Rat Race Choir comes out and uh, they did a couple of tunes and then we brought out John and Whistle. And all the, this was at the Vic Theater. 
the old theater in Chicago. This blew everybody's mind because it was just like you were watching The Who, only even tighter. And the real cat, John Entwistle, on, on the stage, you know? And he just played his ass off, you know? Because he hadn't played a, a Who gig since, uh, you know, quite a while. And, you know, after they lost Keith Moon, it, it, was, it was not really the original Who. This was really close. Uh, Steve Longo, the drummer from Rat Race Choir, did a hell of a job playing that music. And they connected right away because uh, John really missed playing with Keith Moon. Well, anyway, so um, that concert was a mind blower. So we go backstage with End Whistle. So he, he's saying, and by this point, he, he's been in John, John, yeah, yeah. We're, we're down to our last couple of minutes here. Okay, you asked me, I'm telling you, man. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's get okay. back to New York and no, this, no, this No, before we leave Chicago, okay? I got, you asked me, I got to tell you how it worked, okay? We can, always, we can always do a part two. Yeah, hopefully we can connect and find the time. I just want to tell you, because this is important to state yeah. that what happened, because this, this turned out to be part of rock and roll history, okay? So I want to set the record straight, because not everybody, when, when we went to the Howard Stern show, Steve Longo had the chance to say that it was Joe Berger who put the whole thing together, and I had a hand in it too. He, he, he uh, uh, hosts everybody, you know? So anyway, so we go back, we're talking with Entwistle, Entwistle had some cognac at that point. He's going, did you see God? And we're going, yeah, John, that was fucking unbelievable, right? So then he, he, uh, he knew that I filmed the whole thing. So we ended up flying over to London. We bring the uh, uh, tapes, we, we bring them over to Entwistle, and he's in his house. At the, he had two houses. He had a uh, London home and his uh, country home. So we bring it to him. He's got his bathrobe on and everything. We give it to him. I had it wrapped in uh, tinfoil. I give it to him. So a couple days, he's watching it over and over again. We're staying in uh, like a bed and breakfast in uh, King's Row. I call up and whistle. We say, yeah, what do you think, John? He said, fucking amazing, right? So then that's how we talked him into coming over for fall of 1987 to do a tour with Rat Race Choir, Joe Berger, made a gift to these cats that changed their lives, man. And he mixed the show. He gave them literally John Entwistle on a platter, you know? Wow. Yeah. So that's how that happened, okay? There's, there's a lot more to it, but that's how it hooked up. And there, and there was a blood drive as part of this? Well, the, the first, one of the first concerts happened at the bottom line in Greenwich Village. And the price of entry was a blood donation in um, cooperation with K-Rock Radio, where Howard Stern, and we, we did the Howard Stern show that day. And so we promoted it on Howard's show, and it was a, a blood drive, you know? And John said it was a bloody mess. I don't know how much of that blood they could possibly use, but we did that, you know? And there was all the kids that came donated blood. John, uh, we've got a couple minutes here left, and I wanted to yeah. throw something at Bob because I would think, did you know um, Al Collins from K Jazz? Uh, yeah, yeah. Jazz give, him, give, him his, give, him, give him his real name, Mark, because he messed up his name the other day. I was really going to straighten you out on that. It's Al Collins, Al right? Jazzbo Collins. 
God, is legendary. And that's Jazzbo spelled J-A-Z-Z-B-E-A-U-X. Bob, Bob, did you know Broadcasting from the Purple Grotto. I didn't, I didn't know him except to listen to him. He yeah, was in he, the food company every morning. Was he? Yeah, and Jazzbo he wore was a, a, uh, didn't wear normal clothing. He wore like these, uh, like a jumpsuit. Cat, a jumpsuit. Right. In real, in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Jazzbo was a good friend of mine. Uh, Alto is very, very close friends. There, there's family. no K Jazz, yeah. which is listened to internationally without him. Well, he wasn't on K Jazz, but he was on was AM it? radio. And eventually he did go, uh, when he came back from New York, we actually hooked up in New York because he was doing the overnight on WNEW AM, 11.30 AM, oh, okay. which is now Bloomberg Radio. And oh. then he came back when he was, his health started to get not so Great, and I used to drive him to do his weekly show at KCSM, which is uh, ninety-one point one from the College of San Mateo. And uh, in his final years, he was doing a weekly show there. But uh, Jasbo and I, we did a lot of things together. He was a very close friend of mine, a mentor. You know, one of the great broadcasters in history. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, John. Um... Yes. Thank you for your time. Wait, 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 wait. How much time we got left? Wait, 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 Mark. We got two minutes. We got two minutes. Two minutes can be a long time. I, I was very perplexed. We talked a couple of times, you know. So you guys are comic cats, you know. I wouldn't say I'm, I, I can be funny, I, I, you know, sometimes. But I, I, I'm trying to figure out your podcast. So, like, you're talking about ageism, you know, and uh-huh. the, uh, you have this title old and in the way am i correct yes from the so from old the and in the way so then you told me that you were so astounded that uh joe biden was going to run for president that you didn't think that his age that he was up to the job this is the most experienced cat man he saved the country from total demolition i voted for joe i'm riding with biden <laughs> Yeah, but man, you were down on him the other no, day. No, I'm not so down I, I was, on Joe. I, I I'm really not down raised on Joe. a lot of I'm, questions I'm in my mind. I'm just not thrilled you know, with the uh, because the mission statement that you wrong, catch up. The vice president. But ageism, I mean, you know, we're all lucky to make it to the point where we can say that we're uh, getting some ageism because uh, you know we weren't always. Uh, senior citizens now i'm an official senior citizen you know i'm enjoying all the discounts on the bus and at the movie theater you know joe is not getting older he's getting better absolutely he's uh you know what i used to play all the private parties for tip o'neill speaker of the house he reminds me of tip o'neill he's the only cat that can work across the aisle especially in these toxic times right i mean that's what i think anyway and it is pretty toxic right now no question uh, about it. Trump, yeah. is, Trump is toxic. Yeah. So I know we're coming down to the end here in less than a minute. I want to thank you, Katz, for inviting me. And uh, like I say, uh, I'm just still trying to figure it out. But uh, it's nice that we're all here and nice to meet you, Bob. Thank you very much for the thank, blast. Thank, thank you, John. I, I, I'd like to, to maybe have you consider a, a, a part two of this. We, we haven't gotten to all the topics that 